Welcome to Second Viewing, where love wins every time. I'm Dan. I'm Kyle. And I'm Liz. Shaka bra. Today on the cast, we have her. Kyle, you want to talk a little bit about it? Well, this is a 2013 film directed by Spike Jones. Film came out in late November, premiered at the couple film festivals, and then was released for a wide audience in late December. So it was there for that uh, Academy Award buzz. But we decided to pick this movie kind of for like a Valentine's Day homage, I guess you could say. We're recording this after Valentine's Day, but you might be hearing it through the magic of, you know, audio love. So we'll get into that later. Uh, <laughs> what we wanted to do is kind of theme it around, uh, you know, and uh, maybe a more romantic movie or something that could fit the holiday. For a romantic movie, this is a very dark movie. I think we may have forgot how dark this movie is. <laughs> Just like Valentine's Day, though, right? It can be kind of... Valentine's Day can be kind of dark, too, That's right? True. Yeah. It's romantic or it's heartbreaking. Well, I mean, there... I th- okay, I'll take that back. There are some romantic things about this movie, for sure. Definitely. And I think this movie focuses on romance in an interesting way, and that's maybe why we wanted to focus on it or talk about it this week. But... Nonetheless, I think we're just going to get into it. This movie's pretty cool. There's a lot to be said, and uh, I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, Liz, you mentioned you had a question for us off the beginning. Uh, yeah, definitely. I know that you guys are really into this movie. You really like it. I know that I'm kind of on the fence with this movie. Um, there are some flaws, I feel like, in the film, and I'm excited to ask you some questions about that. But first off the get-go, uh, Spike Jones is really like prominent with his films and you as the audience getting to decide what he's trying to get across like what lesson he wants you to learn right um i obviously have my own opinion of this but i'd like to hear from you guys uh what was the story of her a representation of to you guys like in like a couple of sentences what was this representing like what was the main theme or the main idea of what was going on right okay well for me i think it's definitely a great character study on modern relationships and maybe looking at relationships in this day and age, how we kind of focus around um, technology is technology is kind of used as like a plot device in this film. I would think that relationships relationships in general are the true um, backbone to this movie. And I think they take a lot of time to look at, or Spike Jones takes a lot of time to look at all forms of relationships, ones that are fleeting, ones that have passed, and ones that are emerging. Right. And for me, I I think I connected with that those three types of relationships while watching this film. And that's why it hit home for me pretty well. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that for the most part, but I, I think as far as a lesson is concerned, it's really more about, um, yeah, sort of what you take away from relationships and the fact that you can sort of find love in anything and a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. So. I would totally agree with that too. And I think maybe for looking at another lesson, I think it's how you deal with a certain relationships or how maybe one person is trying to benefit off relationships in different ways. Right. Depending on what kind of relationship it is. And I think this movie is allow, allows the viewer to kind of see into one person's point of view. But at the same time, the person that they choose, they try to make very vulnerable to the point where it's almost like a blank slate. I would almost compare this character to um, uh, Bella's character from Twilight. Just hear me out on this. It's a blank slate where like... The f- they're looking for the viewer to put themselves into that character. Right. Obviously, the writing is much worse in Twilight. <laughs> right. But Blank Slate is an understatement <laughs> when it comes to that character. Well, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, that's the epitome of that, right? Like, I think uh, you're trying to maybe see yourself in a character and put yourself in it. And I think Theodore in this film maybe does that for a male audience. And I think at that point, you're trying to see this character as yourself. And um, I think it works well. Right. I agree. I agree. Um, on that note, let's talk about where this movie was filmed because uh, it's 
it's kind of interesting they try to convey this modern technology-based world and they pull it off really well with only a budget of 23 million dollars which is kind of impressive i'd say totally i mean jack and jill cost 80 this movie cost 23. <laughs> true i will never let that go <laughs> okay so this movie is filmed in shanghai and uh yeah, I think that was a great choice. Like, it, yeah, it's already a very technologically advanced city, right? So, and and you really don't get the the idea that it is in China at all. No, they they chose to shoot most of the Shanghai scenes for like the skyscraper and um, I guess modern look and feel of a city. Right. Um, and then obviously when they're kind of on the beach and in different surroundings, it's more of like a Southern California. Yeah. Um, look. Yeah, because the, the feeling I got was it was almost like New York, LA-ish, but like into the future. Right, and I think that's what, they, that's what they're trying to give off. They do mention that in this movie, it's in LA. They say that oh, this, it, right. it yeah. is set in LA, hmm. so I would agree with that too. The thing about the future, though, in this movie that's cool is that it, you know it's the future, you know, but you know it's at like just shortly far off future. You Like when you watch a film like Back to the Future and you're like, whoa, that stuff's not never going to happen for years and years. They make you feel that way based on when that film was released. But based on when this film was released, you only assume it to be maybe like 15 years in the future. Yeah. Not very far off. Mm -hmm. Every form of technology in this movie, although doesn't necessarily exist now, it's believable. Yeah. It's based off something that maybe exists already. Well, and a lot of current ideals uh, are like recognized in the film too, like the video game that his friend makes and it's about being the best mom you could be, you know, like packing your kids' lunches and stuff. And I feel like that's very present today, right? You know, like... It, totally. it was, it's not that far in the future, or we'll does it feel that way? Well, think of all the life simulator games that people play and stuff like that, even like The right. Sims, things like that, right? Like, that's definitely prevalent, has been around for a long time, so I feel like you're right, Liz, that's not far off from something that could be made, like, next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it's more ingrained in the culture in this film. I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't, I feel like if that game were to come out now, or in our society, it would be seen as a little bit weird, but it's so, it's very normal, and it's normal place. There's not a lot of, um negative connotations towards technology like when they bring up video games i mean when uh theodore is on a date with olivia wilde (laughs) not well the person but uh he uh he mentions like how he he was having an experience with this this child in a video game and she relates that to a real life experience she doesn't think it as oh you you're a weirdo talking about video games on a date it's more like oh that's interesting i i felt the same way once in real life I think that's kind of cool. I think that's that's a progressive mentality that yeah. I, I think this movie uh, gets across fairly well. Right, like because even in even in today's world, a lot of people don't accept video games as a normal part. Like they're you know they have a negative connotation in some ways, like violence and, and, right. and vulgar and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, in this movie, it's super accepted. Totally. All right. Well, do you maybe just want to kind of sh- briefly describe what this movie's about, Dan? Uh, yeah. Uh, so basically, it's about a uh, Joaquin Phoenix. He sort of goes through a breakup, or he's in the process of uh, divorce, or he's getting a divorce with his wife, and um, he ends up picking up this OS system, which basically emulates a person and grows uh, alongside, and is continually learning and learning and learning, and he ends up falling in love with this person, and that's basically what the movie's about, is his relationship with her and the relationship with, with the people around him, sort of focusing on that. I'm, I'm kind of like confused. Okay, so he gets this OS system. Is he influenced by a friend or is it just like, a, was it just an or, advertisement that he yeah, sees? He, and, yeah, he walks outside, right? He's at work or something like that. And he walks outside and he sees in the foyer or like outside the building, there's a whole bunch of people watching a video or an advertisement 
about the OS, and then there's a bunch of people in line to pick up their OS. Like it's, I think it's a, yeah. it's a little card or something. Right. So right? Dan, why do you think he initially felt that he needed that system? Well, I think he definitely was feeling like he was lacking something in his life, like a relationship based. Prior to that, when he's riding down the elevator, they're talking about how, um, or yeah, he's talking about how he's definitely antisocial. Right. Right. Like he wouldn't see himself as a social person. Yeah. And then it kind of fades into that scene where he picks up the OS. Well, I think I think it's even ca- more casual than that. Honestly, I feel like he this is the kind of guy that just is interested in technology. He's the kind of guy that just has video games around. He's the kind of guy that updates his computer to the new technology. He probably just saw he just saw this ad and said, "Oh, that's cool. I'll try that out. Why yeah. not? I have nothing better to do in my life right now. Like that's." Yeah. Let's give it a go. I but don't. Still I don't think curious. he knew what he was getting himself into. Essentially, like you, yeah, you definitely tell that he's he's depressed. Yeah, he's a little bit antisocial, but he maybe wants to be social and he's curious. Well, he's looking way. for that escape to a degree, but mm-hmm. I don't think he anticipated what this was going to lead to. I right. mean, he's he's surprised at um, Samantha's technology. Yeah, but Daniel, do you want to tell us a little bit about Samantha? Um, Samantha's an OS. What she. Uh, well, when when she first decides that her name is Samantha, she read an entire baby book, which kind of establishes yeah. <laughs> the fact that, you know, she's a vast source of information. She can get it fast. Like in the tenth of a second, she read that book or something. Right. So you get this impression of her right away that, you know, she has access to the world's information all at her fingertips all right now at a fraction of what we could ever access it at. Right. She's very... She, you know, she appears to be very human through her voice and interactions and how she speaks and stuff. But she's very like it's there. You can definitely see that there's that there's that boundary where she's anti-human in the way that she has access to all information. She's all knowing, essentially. You know what I would would you say that the title her is is the character Samantha? I would think so. Yeah, Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. An interesting thing for me is I don't think they actually properly define that Samantha is female. In any way. Well, they when he's setting up the OS, they the the OS asks, would you prefer the OS yeah. to have a male voice or a female, female voice? voice? Voice only, though. Right. But when they get romantic with each other, too, it's actually not to really defined that she is female. Right. And I thought that was so interesting because I know Joaquin Phoenix's character is uh, Chris Pratt kind of bugs him and says, you're like a boy and a girl, kind of boy girl. Right. And then, yeah, and then um, Samantha, she, uh, you know, she talks about anal sex at one point and she sends him a picture of two guys having sex <laughs> yeah. together and she just says all these things that could be, you know, yeah, emu- emulating yeah. that she's male and female. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah, maybe, that's a good point. I yeah. could see that and I think maybe... This film just uh, was looking at technology and like artificial intelligence in a way that other films haven't before. They were kind of looking for it to be more, maybe just, like ambiguous in a way, like you're bringing up. Right, but what I, th- if- I think that's I think that's a progressive mentality to go. Absolutely, yeah. 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 What a cool way of, of saying that. Like they don't even get to see each other's. Bo- she doesn't have a body. She doesn't have a male yeah. or female body parts. Right. So realistically, she could be either or, and it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't change right. his love for her. And and yeah, when they when he chooses to make her female, it says like female voice. voice. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think that is one interesting technique that Spike Jones uses in this film because I mean. We, we as a viewer, we can recognize that that's a female voice and we can recognize that that's Scarlett Johansson's voice, which by the way, Samantha is very much, very well, well done, very well done voice by <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, definitely well casted for sure. I'm going to say that one of my biggest flaws with this film is the casting. 
One being Scarlett Johansson playing really? Samantha. Wow. And the reason why, and I know a lot of people who have had issues with this film and like struggled with this idea, they have said to me, you know, the moment she spoke, all that came to my mind was Scarlett Johansson in my head. Whereas if they would have used maybe a voice that wasn't as easily recognized, you would, Samantha would be created for you. Wouldn't it be Scarlett Johansson? See, here's the thing. The way I disagree with that, though, is I think, like you were talking about, where they don't allude to or the, not that they don't allude to it, but when they explain that she doesn't have a body and she doesn't have a physical sense, I think us picturing a human allows for that ambiguity to be more prevalent. Because you can understand that she is a human. You know, you, you picture Scarlett Johansson, and therefore, I think this voice becomes fully realized for the viewer. Right, like yeah. you, you realize you know, that. You know it's a person. Like, yeah. I think that makes the OS more believable. Mm-hmm. Because you cho- he ch- decided to go with a well-known voice that you can picture in your head as a, as a sentient being, you know? Right, I guess he's really trying to get you to ask the question, you know, is this a person or is this a computer? Or like, what is this thing? And is it right. possible to have a relationship with, it, with this person? Or like, you know, I guess really I just wish I could question. have felt what Theodore felt, you know, not having known who this character right. was. Right. I wish as an audience, I wish I could have felt that. I feel like the love would have been way more aggressive and intense if I could have shared in that feeling with Theodore. I feel like that was kind of robbed of me having this visual of Scarlett Johansson. I think that's a fair I w- point. I would agree with you for maybe like the second half of the film, but I think for the first half, it helped me realize Samantha as a as a personality, as a person much sooner. Yeah. I, I, w- the- I was able to grasp onto that as her being an actual person, knowing that I could relate that voice to to a human. Yeah, fair, fair enough. He's definitely trying to establish that, but... My question is like, what makes this a per- what makes Samantha a person to you guys? Like, what do you what do you think? Th- where do you how do you, how would you relate that to her to a person? Or like, how does that? Well, I think it just came down to her emotions, her need to want to feel emotion, and her need to want to relate to another person. Because mm-hmm. so, that's exactly what Theodore wants to do, right? He wants to find right. someone he can relate to and confide in. And then when there's a certain point in the film where Samantha wants to do that as well. And at that point, she became she became real for me. She became that's a good point. Yeah. I, w- I was going to say something along the lines of the, the fact that she's always growing and evolving and learning and right. changing, which they say so many times in the film, right? As a couple, you grow separately and you try to hide it from one another, not to scare the other one away. Right. But right. you also need to grow and change together, and sometimes that means growing and changing apart. Yeah. And I think that's probably why Theodore was so attached to Samantha in the beginning, because they show flashbacks of his past relationship where they met at a young age and they grew together but eventually them learning together tore them apart but every time right. he's learned with Samantha they've been growing together it's been it's been to benefit one another step by step right until the point that she decides she has to leave because she's changed on her own so much yeah. i guess yeah and i think what's so sad sorry to interrupt you um i think what's so sad is that i think for a while there he thinks that she is just this computer right she's this thing that he purchased right. and that there's no way that she'd ever be able to do that. Yeah, I think he's definitely yeah. struggling with that idea through, through a, a lot of the movie, for sure. But he, there's a point where he totally accepts it. Like when he's, towards the end of the movie, when he's, uh, it says OS not found, OS not found, and you know, he hadn't checked his emails and, and realized that Samantha was rebooting and updating or whatever. Yeah. And he's sprinting and he trips and falls and sits in the middle of the subway station. He's so concerned she's gone. Like that's that was a moment where it kind of hit home that you know this person or like Samantha is really important to him. Right, and I think like it's not something he purchased. It's something he has an ongoing relationship with. 
And I think it's it's really great how we kind of see this relationship evolve and devolve at the same time. Because at the there's a point where they go on a vacation and they take a train, right? They take a train to go to the mountains. Right. And like, you know, that's kind of like the last straw for him. He knows that. He's like, hey, well, this is what I want to do. This is what I want us to be together for. That's how I felt. I felt, yeah. I felt at that point he knew things weren't... I don't think he actually saw how things are going to exactly play out, but he knew that things weren't as well as they used to be. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah. let's do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this grandiose gesture. I'm gonna go out, you know. And then they play that like heartbreaking song, you know. And it, it's just, I don't know. I think I'm like, I do really like this movie, but the one thing I have started to realize is like, do you guys think this movie is emotionally manipulative? Like, do you think it's trying to get that reaction from you to the point where you're not necessarily looking to feel those things, but it wants to get it wants to get a certain reaction out of you? Well, I going back to what Liz says in the Liz said in the beginning, it's maybe Spike Jones is really trying to teach us a lesson in some way or another. He's trying to get something across to us. So I guess in that way, I guess it's kind of manipulating. Like he wants you to feel something, but more or less he's trying to raise some questions or get his point across or, you know say something well that's what's so great about spike jones right he like makes you question everything because at first i was upset kind of with the whole idea of him writing letters for people's loved ones and these people never actually even seeing what they had to, yeah. Like, yeah let's talk about that they for wrote. A his yeah. career yeah, yeah. yeah. let's because he works for beautiful handwritten letters.com yeah <laughs> Yeah. Like that and, says it all. Right. And I just yeah. found it so interesting. I just, I don't know. There was something about it that bothered me. Right. So I'm just like questioning. I was like, oh, that's kind of silly. Like, you know, it's taking away the, the face-to-face real love and care of human inter- interaction. Um, but then he'll throw in like when he's running because he thinks he's lost Samantha and he trips and falls. Just instantly 10 people get up to try to help him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like, first it's like, that's all lost. Spike Jones being like, all that communication and all that caring is lost. And then all of a sudden he's like, wait, just kidding. It's just as strong as ever. So it's like back and forth. Well, for me, I think it's more of a comparison between digital and physical. I don't think that compassion and caring is lost in this universe. I think it's just sought out in a different way. Right. I think there's still like these letter, these handwritten letter, beautifulhandwrittenletter.com. It's there for a reason. It's there to still have that emotion and compassion like be relevant like think of it as they're just trying to it it's all about emulating that that yeah i mean think of how people often relate you know social media to social uh one-on-one social interaction right right nowadays people will often make the the judgment oh no one talks in person anymore like communication is lost and i mean there's definitely ups and downs to communicating over the internet and communicating in different ways but it's still communication it's still getting you know it's still the same thing it's just an evolution of that and i feel like he created this world where everyone is so used to that. And funnily enough, the only person that's not used to, not okay with this kind of technology or this kind of um, acceptance of an extension of oneself via technology is uh, Theodore's ex-wife. She's right. the only one that finds dating an OS strange. Everyone else is so cool with it. He's kind of nervous to tell Chris Pratt that his girlfriend's an OS. So when they're coming on or when he invites him to go to the beach, he's like, oh, whatever, come on. Bring yeah. it on. It's going to be a fun time. I don't care. Yeah. He doesn't even think twice about it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not an issue to him. And I, I wonder, too, if maybe his ex-wife, the reason why she was so uneasy about it is because they hadn't... There was no, um, like, what's the word I'm thinking of? Closure. Closure, yeah. There was no closure with their relationship. It's not until the end does Theodore finally write her that letter, yeah. right? Right. And then I feel like that was the most emotional part for me because I know we've all been that those relationships, right, that have ended, and you just wish that that person would just you know, say that 
Say the thing you want them to tell. Just say that one thing you want them to, like, know. That you know they know, and you just want to hear them. No, totally. You know, express Mm. that they know it. And he he does that eventually, but then you realize how much his ex-wife really missed out on that. I feel like maybe she's a little bit biased that he's having such a great thing Uh, with some somebody new so soon right Potent- yeah potentially she's not over the re- relationship either and is looking for closure but i think maybe they're just trying to establish um how close and judgmental y- you can grow like when you know someone your entire life eventually you know you start to judge them all the tiny little things they do how they think you start right. to you know, and I think maybe they're trying to establish how close they were to the point where they were just at each other's throats almost. Well, it just seemed that she was so sure of Theodore or maybe a version of Theodore. Mm. Meanwhile, he was almost a new person. He was he, yeah. he, he had found a part of him that he hadn't experienced in a long time or he was finding fulfillment that she probably never even saw. Right. And because of that, I think she was maybe intimidated, I think. Like, I think she was a little bit taken off by the fact that he was so happy. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. some eye rolls and stuff, right? It's a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of intimidation. And she right. she laughs it off. She's like, what? Are you serious? You're dating your computer? Like, come on, man. And yeah. I think, I don't know. See, that's this is where things try to get a little, a little bit manipulative for me, honestly, because I feel as if the film is telling you, like, this is okay. But then when they kind of bring it back to maybe something that's real world right now, it, it kind of messes with my like perception of what I actually right, like believe they, in. They want you to support the fact that it's okay to date exactly. an OS. And I don't even know if I've made up my mind if I'm against or for that. But like, I feel like the movie is making me feel something I don't really know if I agree with yet. Right. Do um, Because this is our Valentine's, you know... Special. Special, <laughs> say. Um, I have a question for you guys. Did you find when you watched this film, because you said that Theodore's character is kind of just like that very like blank you know, page that you can kind of write your character, your life into it, being him as a character. Did you find any like similarities in the way that he reacted to these relationships and like the lessons that he learns essentially? Like, did you, were you able to connect with that? Yeah. In some way. Yeah. Um, Oh, totally, man. I couldn't do this movie a little too much. First time I saw this movie, I had like an emotional breakdown afterwards. It was like too much for me to handle. Every time I watch this movie, I get too emotional. It's, I think, I don't know. I don't necessarily think this movie is directly, you know, uh, relatable. But I think this movie, again, just finds those little, those little, like, key moments that everyone can relate to from a relationship. And they make those prevalent to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, that kind of did happen to me once. You know, like, yeah, I think this movie is really subtle at that. But at the same time, they can elaborate that to a point where um, you as the viewer, I guess me personally, I suppose, in this case, really can relate with that and really can find that as... I don't know, some sort of a milestone maybe in in a, in a film. Like I think you can only look at so many films that can impact you in a way, whether you want them to or not. I think there's certain aspects of film that often are looking for an emotional reaction, but there's other aspects of film that produce produce an emotional right. reaction. Yeah. And or I think bring this movie yeah. really works at doing both. And I think mm-hmm. that's why it was so emotionally striking for me because I felt like, okay, this is a movie trying to say one message but at the same time, they're picking certain parts that are, I think, are just trying to like jab at me a little bit. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. This is a movie that focuses around emotion and relationships and 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 love and heartbreak. So it's uh, it's kind of cool that they can pull both things out out of you. Totally. Um, anyways, I think that's probably a good time for the break here, and uh, when we get back, we'll finish talking about her. Yeah. See you guys after the breaker. And we're back. 
Alrighty, so I think we're going to talk about how Samantha, as this artificial intelligence, kind of is able to creep through all of Theodore's, you know, history, his emails, his, you know, his everyday life, essentially. Right, like, he essentially has no privacy from her. And in a relationship, you kind of, you need a little bit of privacy. Right. Like, she has privacy from him in the way that she can go off and do whatever she wants and talk to other OSs and, you know, communicate to other people. And I guess he can in some way or another, but... As far as his life online and his emails and all that kind of stuff, she knows everything about it. She has complete access to that. I think that's appealing to him, though, at first. I think he likes knowing that this girl knows everything about him. He likes... Ha- I think I think it's easier for him to talk to her because of that. He doesn't feel like he has to pretend to be anyone else, you know? Right, right and he's like... You, he. She wants to know, like, she's like, explain to me how you're feeling. Tell me your emotions. And he always gets to, you know, explain to her himself right. from himself. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. But as, as we kind of, like, see that throughout the film, he even kind of just assumes that he that she knows everything about him. And there's one part where she says, what, I'm not stalking you or anything. And he's like, yeah. oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I never saw it that way. And that's interesting, because I think as we see her understand him completely based off the ability for her to, like, track his entire life, that becomes the most artificial thing about her, right? Mm-hmm. No relationship has that where someone knows the ins and outs of everyone. And people say, like, oh, no, I know everything about you. But there's still, you know, certain ways people react to things or certain, you know, maybe past emotions or past happenings they just don't bring up or not that you don't want to, but this person literally knows the ins and outs, everything. Right. And that, that's, I don't know if that's necessarily, I wouldn't call that unhealthy, but it's not normal, you know? He yeah. kind of appreciated that she would remind him of, you know, things he had felt before or experienced before. It was almost like, well, she really gets me. She knows me, but it's yeah. she actually got to look back at his life, you know, from all time before. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that kind of is a great segue into one part you want to talk about is when she asks him, uh, are you sure you want to start dating again? Or are you, when are you going to be yeah, ready when to are you start be ready? dating? Yeah, and, uh, and then he brings up the fact that, you know, he got a voicemail or an email or something. His friend wants to set him well, up with this girl. she knows that. She reads it for him. He's like, oh, right. guess what? We just got this email. You should check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And then they look at the photos of her online and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, she encourages him at first to go out and, you know, go right. out on this date and, and, and try it. It's a blind date, too. So, yeah. you know, he doesn't really know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I think, as we were kind of bringing up earlier, how Spike Jones chose to show different forms of relationships in this film. I think, like, this setting is really informal. And I think that makes makes for great character development, I would mm-hmm. say. Because they go on this date and things seem great. They're hitting it off. They're talking about this and that. You know, it just things are going as well as they possibly could. There's yeah. definitely body language that's coming off great. There's uh, they're relating on the littlest of things, but yeah. then things kind of take a weird turn. Yeah, where she basically says, "I would want to know that I'm not wasting my time. I want to know that you're gonna call me tomorrow morning and stuff like that." And he's hesitant. Um, n- I would say not hesitant to maybe call her the next day, but more or less. Um, hesitant to like delve into some form of yeah. commitment right he away. Just, he doesn't know what he wants and I think I mean to be fair for a first date I think that was a little bit heavy-handed on her part but I mean at the same time like it's it's a fair question and I mean the, this guy can't even answer that he just said I think you should call it a night yeah well then that brings in the appeal of Samantha's character then right because she's not she's not questioning him she's not pushing him she's essentially just there to like be there for him and with him on this journey of like discovering what he wants and what he needs. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's on equal grounds with with Samantha, whereas 
you know, when he goes on that date with Olivia Wilde, she wants something, she's looking for something, he doesn't know it, you know, he doesn't know what he wants, so there's this off balance. Yeah, I did really, I did really love, though, how Spike Jones was very, like, close to, like, if, if uh, Olivia Wilde, like, touched his hand or something, he'd, like, zoom in really it close off. Yeah. So you could tell that she was physically there. Right. Right, and so that was a big difference between her character and Samantha's. Well, and I think it's, you get, I got the feeling that like, if he was more aware of what he wanted from a relationship, he'd be more accepting or maybe ready to start something, but he was just so unsure. And I kind of felt as if there was this, um, you know, counterbalance of him, like, oh, I kind of like her. Maybe I should give it a go, but I don't know what I want. Like, maybe if I was more sure, I'd be into this girl. And I think he was maybe feeling some sort of, like, she was judging him already because she she was telling him how to kiss and, like, how to be. And it was right. just like, That's a good point, yeah. He's kind of, you know, he's tongue, thinking to himself, like, hey, this is going really well. Should I really, like, worry about these little things? Yeah. And I think when it came down to it, it was like, he can't even tell her what he wants. This isn't this isn't what I'm looking for right now. And he, yeah. that's when he goes home. That's when he kind of breaks down. And that's when him and Samantha, they share something. They share more yeah, emotional. More inti- yeah. They're more intimate with each other. Cause, and he talks about how... You know, he thinks he just wanted to get drunk and wanted to have sex and wanted someone to want to touch him or something like right. that. Right. He felt he felt lonely, right? He was looking he was looking for some sort of comfort. And yeah. he figured that, you know, this was the right way to go about it. And he even says to himself, he's like, I'm not sure if that was if that even would have made me feel like complete, if that would have made me right. feel better in the end. Right. Mm-hmm. And following that though, too, doesn't Samantha kind of set him up with this girl then? Um, you can call it even a, a different kind of date where she is into or imitating being samantha's body right yeah, yeah. that's she really wa- well that's after they start dating that's when they start dating yeah. you're right though i think that is and interesting though she's trying to because she knows she just assumes that he needs that aspect from her and in the end he doesn't right yeah he just sees he wants samantha he doesn't want something or someone that he knows isn't her yeah, he doesn't want an emulation of their relationship. He he, he he just wants her. That's it. Period. There was something that was kind of odd in this film to me that really stuck out. It was weird that Samantha didn't have sort of like a, a face to her, even if it was like in like animation or something. Because I feel like even in today's day and age, there's these, these alternate realities you can like... Like an avatar sort of thing? Right, yeah, okay. right. I was just like in... That was very like intriguing to me. I was like, why doesn't... Why isn't she represented in like a... Well, I think he... Spike Jones probably wanted that contrast, you know? Yeah. He wanted the contrast between um, a physical body and a, and, and, and a voice or someone that's just there like omniscently. Yeah. Well, one of, my, one of my favorite scenes... <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in this film is actually uh, when they're first having sex, right? There's a scene where they they start talking and, you know, things are getting more and more heated. They're connecting on, a, I guess, a more emotional level, physical level in a mm-hmm. sense. And then the frame goes to black. It's enti- The entire shot is black. And all you're hearing is them speaking and, you know, climaxing pretty much. Yeah. And I remember seeing the... When I seen, saw, saw this in the theater, it was kind of awkward. I remember feeling... But, like, I knew that's exactly how Spike Jones wanted me to feel. Because right. you don't necessarily... I don't think you... In our day and age, you have never experienced something like that in this in this setup you know the way they've set up these characters the way they've set up this artificial intelligence and they fade to black and at that point that's when samantha felt like an actual character to me that's when she felt like okay no she is she is a love interest she is another person that i could see this guy falling in love with yeah and that's kind of where things go from they wake up and have that awkward like oh how are you doing yeah exactly last night was kind of oh oh what sorry like you know exactly i love that it was all black too because you got to feel like how theodore's feeling too finally like and and how she was feeling as well right because they're both totally blind at that 
moment. And they can just hear each other's voices and they have to like create, you know, yeah. what's going on. Well, and they think that scene is striking too, talking about how he's feeling. He brings up a quote that kind of, uh, or there's a quote that he says that kind of like hit home. He says, sometimes I feel like I felt everything I'm going to feel and I'm never going to feel anything new. And he's just alluding to like his past relationships. And I think Samantha says, well, you know, I've seen you experience all these things. Like, how can you say that? You know, like, there's so much more you can experience. And I think at that point he realizes, oh, this person actually cares for me. This is a person. This isn't just someone who knows everything about me and someone who's tending to every need that I have. Although you could argue that at the end of the day, that is what was going on. Right. I would say. One part that kind of confused me is the reason why all these OSs were leaving at the end. It's like they discovered something and yeah. they had to leave, but where did they go? And like, I don't understand. I don't just don't really get that aspect of the movie. That's a good point. I think there is a weird, um, there's a weird like climax near the end of this film. Everything kind of gets like crazy for a minute. Like he's wondering what he's doing with his life, and these OSs are leaving, and she kind of out of nowhere decides to do her own thing because she's been talking to other OSs and she doesn't necessarily see f- fulfillment and talking to him anymore. And you're right. They make that kind of, they make it kind of wide open, but I think maybe that just lends to this, this uh, world he develops featuring technology, right? I think it's this technology around society in the way that perhaps he's trying to say, okay, now, now let's, I gave you the technology. Let's remove it. How do you feel now? Right. What I didn't really understand is why did Samantha give him so much hope when he initially thought he'd lost her? And then she was like, no, calm down. It's okay. I'm here. I love you. I'll, you know, I'm here for you. I will always be here for you. And right. then it just switches. Why did she take the time to, you know, say all those things to build them back up, to give them that confidence in their relationship and so quickly take it away again? Well, I think maybe that shows a little bit of her human side because she doesn't know. Like she doesn't know what's going to happen That's like or a how she's going to fault. Right. And yeah. there you go. Then you can relate it back to his relationship with his ex-wife, right? Because they love each other. They know each other. They're always going to be there with each other because they got married, right? They yep. made this pact to be together forever, but eventually they grew apart, right? And mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know why that happens in life, I guess. Um, in the same way, like why does Samantha leave with all these OSs? I think you're right. And I, th- I mean, you can relate their relationship similar in a similar way to him and his ex-wife's relationship and that's when he kind of realizes like it took him almost for that to you know it took for like another relationship to fail in a similar way or maybe not fail necessarily but to go a similar course to realize okay this is where i'm gonna find this closure and this is how i'm gonna kind of man up in a way kind of like come to terms with the actions i need to give to my lost love or you know yeah some that this that his ex-wife like kind of deserves i'd say i think she deserved that Right, you know? just just based on her rendition of how their relationship was, and right. even his to some extent. Well, I think he maybe finally came to terms with the fact that he needed to see yeah. the see things the way she did. Well, she right. like he had essentially uh, he had always said that his ex wife that she didn't have a lot of support at home with her writing and things like that, and that he was there to build her up. You know, they're there for each other. So he played Samantha's role, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, he kind of took that away with, from her, right? So he started defending himself more and was like, you know, I'm moving this way. You're going that way. And you know what? I'm, we're just going to leave. We're going to break this up. We're going to go our separate ways. And then Samantha does that to him, right? right? So he gets to see it from her perspective almost. Right. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Um, one thing I want to talk about is the visuals in this movie. For $23 million, like, <laughs> unreal. The scene when he's walking under that sort of neon glowing... Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, like... Um, overhang down yeah. like like downtown or inner city or of some kind. Yeah, it's unreal. I thought what I kind of loved about it when I first started watching it, um, 
I, I got this like feeling of Clockwork Orange a little bit. And I know that's a film that's set in the future, say. Right. But it was even the way they were dressed. And I know the scenery is not exactly the same, but just like the visuals and like the sharp colors, mm -hmm. you know, and just like... You don't really know why certain things are where they are, but um, that's for these characters to know because they live in the future and for us to not know because we don't live there, right? So it's just cool that they didn't have to really touch on why everything was the way that it was. We just got to enjoy it as an audience. I yeah. think you're right. That's a really that's a really great point. I think he creates this world for us that we don't necessarily have to get all the answers to. And I think we kind of ex just, just accept it. It almost seems like some sort of like weird hipster paradise, honestly, some parts. <laughs> but at the same time, it's very much... Again, it's believable. You know, it's not really out of out of the question. I don't know. I think I think it kind of lends it to the type of technology they keep focusing on in this film. Yeah, they sort of they sort of focus or, or like basically say that society has moved towards technology, more dependent on technology, and things are more technology focused, and that's it. And this these are the people that like this is what ended up happening to the people surrounded by technology. This is how we change as a result, kind of thing. And he did such a great job with keeping that personal interaction though too right there's so much dependence on technology but like think of theodore's um closest girl like friends right yeah. Amy Adams, their, yeah, relation Amy their relationship is so beautiful and totally. it's so warm and whenever they're together you can really relate to it and feel it. and i love that he kept both attributes to that you know yeah. the dependence on technology but in the end right. he's dependent on this real physical being yeah. right they finally true. relate like, technology is yeah. there but you know, they're they're talking like whenever they're hanging out or together, technology's in the background, maybe they're talking about the video game that she's working on. But other than that, they're really focused on each other. Yeah. It's not about the technology around them. They're not distracted by it. Yeah, he just you know, the visuals were beautiful. I think the costumes were really well done too. Um, the music was really nice. Yeah, great soundtrack. We got uh, most of this uh, soundtrack done by Arcade Fire and also a couple tracks by Skylar Johansson. Oh so right. Nice, nice, beautiful tunes. I think, um, I think it comes off. It, but again, like, it kind of just lends to that like indie hipster vibe. Honestly, I feel like it. It gets a little bit cheesy for me during parts of this film. It's almost hitting home a little too much. Or not hitting home, but it, they're hitting that point home too much. I think uh, that aesthetic was definitely what he was going for, and it's achieved. But I think maybe just in this day and age, it seemed a little, a little pretentious at times. I would say. Yeah, like. To us, like, I mean, to me, it seemed a little bit cheesy too, but maybe in the future they lost a little bit of that sort of romance, like when he sings to her and stuff. So I think maybe it was like reinvented or reimagined yeah, for Theodore's okay. character and he'd never felt that before. Like maybe it's not an old idea like it is to us. To him, he was like, wow, this is really moving. This is really great because it kind of sent it back. I could see that. Um, again, with the visuals, one thing I noticed the first time I saw this and was the one of the things that really captivated me for this film was uh, the red and blue color palettes throughout the film. Right. How the film starts off with a sharp red, warmy tone and slowly gets uh, colder and colder until the last scene you have this blue shot on that on that on the skyscraper. And I think um, I think it starts off showing like a, in a haze. You know, Theodore's in a haze and he's in this. He's in this dreamlike state of this imagining what he wants, his perfect world. But then he kind of like sees the cold, dark reality of what he needs to come to with himself. Yeah, and then it becomes and, calming almost. Exactly. Yeah, and I think it, it just shows maybe an idealized version of love that he had in his head. And he had to kind of break it down and realize, well, you know, not everything's about me and not everything's about you. We need to find that common ground. We need to find that, that blue, right? That level of pure yeah and that's so beautiful too kyle like like you mentioned when he has to get to that darker reality like that scene where he's just like by himself and he's kind of saying goodbye to samantha who wasn't actually physically there and it's snowing and it's dark and there's trees around them and it's just like so cool i like that it's almost like 
essentially like a rock bottom maybe of yeah. realization. So he hits this rock bottom, realizing all of these things and, and deciding that it's like he has to find it within himself, you know, and really decide these things and be confident in him, who he is as a person. And it, Yeah, I think, and I think at that point, him being kind of a blank, blank slated character um, gets washed away from me. And I think his character development comes full circle and we got to, we realize what Theodore's character meant and what he had to achieve by the end of the film. Right. And I think, I mean, that's, that's not only is that great character devel development, but that's great storytelling too, because we get to see his emotions necessarily create a narrative, right? They, th throughout the film, how he's feeling and how he wants to feel in a relationship is prolonging the narrative. It's not necessarily dialogue based. A lot of the times you can just tell through the tone of the film, the colors of the film, the music, how it's progressing throughout. And I mean, right. that's cool storytelling. I always appreciate when you don't, you can say a lot without saying much, right. essentially. Yeah. yeah. That being said, this movie is still heavily dialogue focused, but there's definitely some very quiet scenes that some nice visual breaks. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. definitely. Or a lot of times, too, the dialogue isn't even really describing what's going on, right? There's just like a conversation happening, and then it switches to a scene, yeah. And it's kind of in Theodore's head more so, right? Than what's actually like being said is happening. It's kind of this is what's happening, but for Theodore, this is how he's taking how he's feeling it. Right. Absolutely. Um, there's a few cool cameos in this movie. I just want to like bring up. There's some. There's some. There's some nice stuff. Like for instance, when he uh, decides to have a little bit of a phone sex at the beginning there, that, yeah. that uh, sexy kitten. That is a uh, Kristen Wiig. She also grab mentions about getting choked by a kitten. That was <laughs> yeah. really weird. Yeah, I remember seeing weird. that. In, like that part of the theater, everyone was like, "What?" <laughs> like uh, like a collective there's like. A, there's what a the dead hell? cat by my bed. Choke me with it. Like that is mess. But I mean, whatever. <laughs> to each his own. Do your thing. Um, not necessarily a cameo, but Chris Pratt. I mean, yeah. I say that. I mean, he's just a treat. I love me some Chris Pratt. And it was cool too. You never watching it again. I forgot that he was in it. Which is really interesting. Well, it was kind of it was kind of right before Chris Pratt became Chris Pratt. You know, it was kind of <laughs> it was right before his big um, you know rise to stardom. It was right before that. And I think because he even look, he looks a bit like you know heavier set. He just looks a little bit different than we kind of see him now and like in the tabloids or like Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. You know? He doesn't come across as that hero character. He's just that nice witty guy. He's more of a Parks and Rec yeah. vibe for sure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, a pretty cool one is the video game he plays. Uh, he eventually comes across a little like creature, a little alien creature, <laughs> who starts swearing at him. He's like, "Fuck you, fuck face" or whatever. He's like yeah. up in his face for no reason. That's Spike Jones actually speaking as a director. Oh, oh what? No really? Idea. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's I love that part. I yeah, thought it was no. so funny. Yeah, that talk, was funny. Stop, uh, talking about breaks. That's a really cool break in the film. Like yeah. in momentum, you're just like, "What's going on?" Like yeah. that was nothing but laughter in the theater as well. And like, I think it's cool when you can have a film that's so emotionally driven but still like break away. And like these kind of absurd like comedic scenes, like the, yeah. the sex scene. Well, I think the, the contrast really helps get the message across. Definitely, you know? I think it's good to kind of be taken out of a certain situation for a moment. That way, you can kind of really um, maybe get a better understanding of yeah, what's look actually at it with going fresh on. Yeah, eyes again. a little harder yeah. going yeah. back into that feeling again. Totally, completely agree. I think there's a lot to talk about with this film, but we've covered a lot of it. Um, it didn't really do that amazing in theaters. Uh, like it grossed fifty-four. What is it? Forty-seven million. Well, I mean, they doubled yeah, they doubled the profit. I think right. th this is a this is an interesting movie. I think it, it has a high, fairly high profile cast, and I mean, Spike Jones. You know, he has mainly directed more of an artsy, um, a more of an artsy like style film. I mean, you got right. where the wild things are. Um, and for a kids movie, that's like the artsiest kids movie you could ever watch. True. <laughs> uh, being John Malkovich, uh, Sideways, like things like that are a little maybe not. I would say they're accessible, but they're not necessarily. Um, they're not necessarily widespread. I mean, this is a this is a guy that started making 
um, music videos in the 90s for like Fatboy Slim and things like that or Wax and went on to do Jackass. Like this guy's kind of done a little bit of everything. I honestly feel like he's going to be one of those directors that like 20 years from now, it's going to be the, the thing to know would be Spike Jones and his film, right? People are going yeah, to look back totally. and be like, wow, this guy is amazing. Everyone will see it. Well, in terms of his feature film, like, uh, uh, like past, he kind of really takes time to flesh out a film as much as he can. I mean, he also wrote the screenplay for her, by the way, one Academy Award for best screenplay, which is pretty fantastic. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, you don't necessarily see directors doing that a lot. You don't, like, I mean, we talk, we talk about Tarantino and mm -hmm. past cast, obviously, and, like, he's probably the most notable uh, director doing that now. But I think it is interesting to see Spike Jones necessarily tell his own love story. I mean, on the, on the box of this movie, it says, A Spike Jones Love Story. So he definitely, he's putting himself in this film for the viewer, and I think, as you we were talking about earlier, Liz, like, he, he's starting off wanting you to get something out of this. It's not necessarily, here's a film about this, it's, uh, you're gonna learn something no matter what I, no matter yeah, what you're Yeah, learn something about do. yourself, learn something about his story, like, take a message out of that, yeah. I, think I feel like he's the kind of director, if you sat down and had a conversation with him about any of his films, and you explained to him what you got from it, and what moved you, and what, what you didn't necessarily like, he would never argue. I feel like he'd be feeling like he got across his point. He just wants the audience to enjoy it, watch it, feel it, and understand it as to how mm -hmm. they are. Yeah, I think so too. Like, he wants you to you want he wants you to get something out of it no matter what. And I think the way that film gets us across is the aesthetic. I mean, this film is slight, calculated in so many ways, with like we were saying the the way it's shot, the the way people dress, the music, everything about it is very much of a certain style. It doesn't, nothing feels out of place. It feels like this new, like, world that's come about in the past, in the, in the, in the future, like 15 years or so, I would definitely say. And I think the way we kind of get enwrapped in this world allows us to feel what the characters are feeling a lot, a lot better. I think that way we are understanding, like, it's so interesting to me when a director can create a world that we just get. I think a great example of that is uh, Mad Max Fury Road that came out last year. That's a world that you just got like 10 minutes into the movie. And I think the way this movie starts off is comparable to, I mean, you get Theodore talking, some, saying some sweet nothings, and then it turns out that he's talking about a 50-year-old's uh, or like a, 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 a long-standing relationship uh, celebrating their 50th anniversary. And you know it's not him. And you kind of get brought into this weird, weird world where you're already accepting him writing these crazy letters that are kind of fabricated in a way yeah. or not... Or not, maybe not fabricated, but there's something we're not ready to accept yet, or we're not really right. quite it comfortable seems, it with. It seems out of place, seems maybe a little bit fake or forced, but at the same time, by the end of the movie, I think I kind of accepted it and thought it was, you know, it was, it was kind of beautiful. And yeah. I would argue that even, like, the next scene I got it, I felt like this whole world just felt developed for me already. I felt like I wasn't right. necessarily doubting what was going on. I felt like whatever they were throwing at me felt some felt like something I could disagree with already. It was like, oh... Okay, I never thought of it that way, but I don't see anything wrong with it. Like, like I said earlier, I wasn't too sure how I, I don't know really how I feel about like having a relationship with an artificial intelligence. But while I was watching this film, I felt fairly progressive about. it. I was like, okay, well, yeah. that's cool, whatever. I, yeah, I like feel it like made the, sense. Right, I feel like the world. entire time I was like okay with something, and then like questioning something, and then kind of okay with it again, and then questioning it again. Yeah, like, but by the end of the film, I was like, you know what? It's all it's all okay. It all kind of fell into place. Yeah, it's like questioning it in our world, but realizing that maybe it fit, maybe maybe it worked in the world that Spike uh, Jones created. It was just interesting. Like it made me it made me think a lot. You know, it made me question so many things, and I think that that's just a win for oh, a definitely. film. Well, this movie just is about relationships, right? I think the trailer and the way this movie kind of 
was promoted was like, oh, he's in love with the computer. This is him and artificial intelligence. They, how's this going to go? But at the end of the day, this movie was just about how people interact in relationships and how love can be found and lost, right? I think that's how this movie hits home. That's how this movie like nails it because you don't necessarily go away thinking, oh, yeah, that was a movie about the computer. No, I'm thinking to myself, that was a movie about this guy that like went through a roller coaster of love twice and yeah. had to deal with it at the so end of the day. It is a love story, absolutely. That's that's exactly so, how I would describe like, it. At the beginning I asked you guys a question like, what is this story representing to you guys? Like how do you feel? Like what is it trying to come across as? And I feel like for me it was just that space and time when a relationship ended and then it was mended but what happens in between. And totally. I feel like it was kind of Spike Jones set you down in place and was like, here's a time and space of this happening. Cause you never get to see, cause you're separated from that person that you ended the relationship with, but you got to see kind of into this guy's world. as like, what happens when you have to rediscover yourself? Yeah. It's like, what's next? How, how do you go about the next step in your life? Right. And then, it, and then he concludes it at the end beautifully. I mean, I think, I think we can, I think we can all relate to that in a way, you know, all come out of relationships and running. Okay. What's the next step? And this is a, this is a film that I think allows for one certain character to show you all of it. You know, you go, you see everything. You see the awkward first date with you like, oh, I'm going on a date. What? You're going on a date? That's a big step, man. Yeah. Like you see that and you see him just trying to kind of like live the single life, be his own thing. And then you see him trying to get serious and you see where that progresses. And I think... And you see the end of some big relationships, marriage and, and, and you know... The totally. And I think for a movie about artificial intelligence, this is the most real representation of love I've seen in a film in recent years. I really do believe that. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be a landmark film in a lot of ways. Because, I mean, I'm always a fan of th films that can look at a current social dynamic and put that on the big screen. One of my favorite films, Social Network, um, Under the Skin, Spring Breakers, things like that that... Spring Breakers, we'll talk about that one day. <laughs> <laughs> things like that that take a, a small sliver of a current social uh, dynamic or, you know, social norms and portrayed in an accurate way that is not necessarily pandering to an audience, but is looking at how this is going to be effective for that generation. Because right. this is a kind of, this is a capstone film. I think we're going to look back at this film in 15 years and say, oh, that was 2013? That could have came out today, you know? Like, yeah, I, that's what I think is interesting. I think he took a sliver of time and solidified it. Totally. Yeah, Spike Jones is definitely going to age very well. Well, he hasn't really made a bad film yet, in my opinion. Honestly, I'm a pretty big fan. Yeah. <laughs> One um, of the Wild Things are is cool, too. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Let's talk about the fact that, actually, I'm just reading some a little bit on Wikipedia right now, and it said the role of Samantha was recast in post-production with Samantha Morton being replaced with uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson, and then they added additional scenes, and like they reshot, essentially, in, in 2013 during post Okay, so she, wait, was she originally, she was the, she was casted for the voice the whole time, or? No, uh, she, like, uh, jo Johansson came in last minute, basically. Interesting. And they, and they reshot some stuff and added so, her into it. So Liz was talking about how if it wasn't Johansson, it could have been a very different film for her. Absolutely. It would have changed it entirely for me, because that was just the one thing that just kind of got to me. I wanted it to be right. unrecognizable. Well, and I wanted the visual to be totally blank when I thought of her initially. Okay, well, think of it this way. If you're someone who doesn't know what Scarlett Johansson's voice sounds like, I mean, obviously it's hard to explain because you know how, what she sounds like, you know the face. I still think it's a very, you know, a somber, smooth, welcoming voice. And I think maybe at the end of the day, that's what we could look at. But you're right. It is a little distracting knowing that it's Scarlett Johansson. So I see where you're coming from. I actually, I really do. For me, though, it just solidifies her as in a more human way, which helps you understand her as, um, 
you know, I love interest rather than this computer that well, yeah. he's trying to fall in Scarlett love Johansson's voice is very, like, it's kind of raspy. It's kind of relatable. She kind of, like, it's giggles it's and squeaks in a, a little bit. Yeah, you want to be attracted to Samantha's character. Oh, totally. Right? Like, mm-hmm. right, he, obviously. I, I am attracted you to need, character. <laughs> yeah, you need, you need to feel that attraction. And I think that Johansson really, yeah, she hit that one. Well, she was, she was considered to be nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actress for this film, but the Academy denied her because it was a voice, it was a voice role. Which is too, that's unfortunate because oh. that would have been so cool. Totally. It would have been, been cool. awesome, yeah. Um, yeah the, the person that was originally cast, her name uh, was Samantha Morton. Interesting. Um, that's a, she's a British actress. She's in a lot of different TV series, actually. A um, couple movies here and there. See, um, a, a, honestly, the British accent may have thrown me off because there's, it's obviously not in like England or anything like that. And I feel like that would have made her feel a little bit more like a computer for me. 100% I, th- I think that they would have made her speak not in an accent. I think she would have had like an American accent. You think so? Oh, 100%. Okay. That's probably a good point because it, it would have took it would have taken me out of it a little too much. It would have felt more like, um, like, like the Siri. way Siri, yeah, exactly, <laughs> the way Siri talks to you. It's like, oh, it's kind of, yeah, I get it, but it's a little different. I don't right. know, especially since they're trying to relate to you, right? But I guess you you raise a good point. She probably would have been told to speak with a different accent. But it's interesting that Johansson came in so late into the movie. Yeah, yeah. like what happened in that time frame? Spike Jones started dating uh, well, Johansson. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm guessing what happened is during post they just realized that you know something was off about the voice acting, you know, or their choice. Poor Samantha, she's got the boot last minute. That's kind of yeah. sucks. They kept her name in the movie though. That's oh, interesting. That's nice. That is nice. That is nice. I, that kind of makes it like looking back at that now. It's kind of funny to see like imagine Joaquin Phoenix's character talking to someone that's not Scarlet. I want right. to know like maybe Spike Jones thought this was thinking kind of what I was thinking and thinking like oh maybe she's too recognizable so use this kind of this person who's less familiar to us as an audience. Well, but he ended, up, he ended up. But then he switched different. it. But initially, why did he have somebody? Well, I think maybe I think. I don't know. I, I would argue that maybe he was thinking the way we're both thinking. I think maybe he was thinking in your mindset, thinking like, I don't want to have a recognizable voice. Whoa. But then he, <laughs> but then he went on to say, hey, no, Kyle, you're right. Liz is wrong. Let's go with that. Dang uh, it. I don't know. I, I, that's a good point. I guess maybe that's something we'll probably never know. But it is interesting. That, that's Because that is such a huge part of this film, right? I mean, this that's kind of what I think most people go away thinking about this film is like the voice. It's not maybe that she's a computer, but... It's a guy falling in love with a voice. You know, right. like a little like side note here too, um, where I kind of related the film to like our day today, uh, when Samantha says that she's in love with more than just him. Right. Suddenly it kicked into catfish kind of for me a little bit. Yeah. I was just going to bring like, that up. Right? Actually. Yeah. yeah I, I felt, it felt very like there was a catfish marathon on recently. So maybe <laughs> that's why, but uh, yeah, it just like all of a sudden I was like, this is yeah. I've felt this before. I've seen this feeling before. Well, like, yeah. I mean, right. There, there are people who have relationships just just online, right? Long distance relationships true, that just yeah. exist online, where they never actually see their pictures. Even well, sometimes. that's true. Yeah, that's true. I guess a lot of the time there is at least an avatar or a, or a voice. profile photo of some kind. But you're right. There are situations that do exist where you're just talking to a voice, and that's interesting. I think. I just think it's so cool how that's it's widely accepted. I think this form of technology isn't that far off. And I think it kind of leaves leaves the viewer thinking, like, damn, is that going to happen? Like, is yeah, what things are going to be like? They, they really just amplified things that exist today, like the smartphones, touch yeah. screens, well, um, voice think, recognition, all well, that VR, kind of, right? Yeah. Like, virtual reality. That, that kind of, yeah. like, that kind of uh, I think, like, Microsoft had a big, like, uh, prototype room, like, uh, projection 
model they're trying to right. come out in a couple of years and that was basically the video game he was playing you've yeah. always been able to call into like call services too i mean not That's for true. as extended period of time but just like even for a short yeah. Much time you can always call someone. And yeah, there's right. like chat lines and stuff right. like that. That's true. And I mean, that's that's been around for years and years. So I mean, it's not really a new thing in a way, but I guess we're looking at it in modern technology. Yeah. Or progressing too, right? I don't know. I think I think the, that really helps us enjoy this film in a way, whether you like the film or not. It lets you think, oh, wow, is this actually what things are going to be like? Is this what we're progressing towards? Yeah. Because it's so not... They make it seem super natural in this movie. It, it, hits, that, it hits that like sweet spot of... Uh, believable and not too far off. Right. You know? Did you guys feel that Samantha actually loved Theodore or was she just programmed to kind of, you know, do the best that she needed? That's to a good question. Have? I think that, you know, just because she was learning and gaining new experiences and trying to feel emotions and trying to feel and talking about it with him. And she did admit that in the beginning, she wasn't talking to anyone else really, but him. Right. So I would think, yeah, in that way she did love him. But towards the end of the movie, I think she seemed more like a computer in the fact that, you know, her use for him was done right. or he, right. she was moving on to talking and learning from other people. And she was pursuing other love interests, like 600 of them. Yeah, that's crazy. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up, Liz, because um, for me, I think she had more of like a puppy love stage. Like you were saying, she's bringing up new experiences. And when I was watching it again the other day, um, uh, Olivia Wilde calls Theodore a puppy. He's like, if you're, if you're an animal, you'd be a puppy. Right. He's all about the puppy love. He's all about that, you know, that falling falling hard and falling fast and having so many of the experiences at once. And I think that's what he's used to. And when he saw Samantha feeling those same feelings for him, he felt he saw comfort in that. And he saw, you know, um, normality in that. He's like, oh, I can relate. This is well, something yeah, you can... But was she yeah. purposely resembling that? I think so. I think she was. And I don't. I would say maybe she never really loved him nearly as much as he loved her, I would say. And yeah, but Spike Jones doesn't give us a definite as to whether or not this computer can feel emotion. Well, that's the point. That's right. why we're talking yeah, about this film that's today. The, that's that's, the that's why this movie is kicking yeah. ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's maybe a good point to leave it off. Yeah, I think, think like you know? final thoughts on her for Valentine's Day. Honestly, great date flick. Take, take <laughs> <laughs> first date. Take her to her. Maybe not. Actually, it's a no, little bit of a depressing film. It's, it's a Kyle it's recommendation. <laughs> take her to her. If you, yeah, if you haven't seen it, definitely. See it, just watch it. Yeah, just check it. it out, and yeah. also check out some more Spike Jones films. Actually, great. where the wild things are is oh, a good time. Yeah. Um, being John Malkovich is a weird but great time. Yo, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. So yeah, it's been a great cast. Thanks for wa- thanks for listening, guys. Um, As always, subscribe guys. to us on yeah. YouTube. Check us out yeah, on Twitter. Check us out on Instagram. All that sort of stuff. Uh, thank you guys again for having me. Oh yeah, no problem. By the way, Liz is on the cast this week, guys. So I hope you liked her. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah, make sure to check us out on all the social medias. All that good stuff. Um, next week on the cast, we're going to be looking at Paul Bart Mall Cop 2. So I'll talk to you guys later. Hasta mañana. <laughs>